everyone, welcome to Legally Brown. We are two brown girls. Yes, we are. <laughs> life, law, and labels. I'm Harshi, and here with me is Reminder. And Hello. <laughs> we are excited to kick off episode one. Yeah, this is actually episode one redo. Let's be honest about it. Wait, don't tell anyone. I just did. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, okay. <laughs> if you haven't already, please go check out our uh, introduction trailer to yeah. learn a little bit about us. And you can find our host bios at our Instagram page at LegallyBrownCA. So, reminder. Mm-hmm. Today, we are going to discuss the label of, quote-unquote, being a lawyer. Yep. The good. We're lawyers. We are lawyers, by the way. Um, and that's why this podcast, part of why this podcast is called Legally Brown is because we are lawyers. Yeah. I am Fun. blonde, though. Oh, that's true. Right? That's kind of weird. Fun fact, <laughs> I've never seen Legally Blonde in my entire life. And Harshi said she's just never going to watch it so we can keep that narrative alive. So that's okay. I, well, I just watched it two weeks ago. <laughs> If someone can give me a good reason why to watch it, then I'll consider it. Well, I think a good reason why not to is now just to say you never watched it. Exactly. (laughs) Bruisersville, hashtag Bruisersville, and you'll never understand. And that's okay. I'll just continue to say Bruisersville. Smile. I even made an Indian farmer's meme about that. Bruisersville. Anyway, continue, sorry. Smile and nodding, smile and nodding. Smile and nodding. Um, So being a lawyer. The good, the bad, the ugly, all of it. Yeah. Um, maybe we can start off, Reminder, with you telling our listeners a little bit about what are some positives that come from being labeled a lawyer. Because just background is that I've had so many people in my life that are non-law people yep. that have told me they hate talking to me or arguing with me <laughs> because of... My lawyerly ways, as they say it. But there are some positives. This is what it is, man. Not, not about the career, but like about the label of being a lawyer. What are some positives? Um, you naturally get... Okay, so first off, Harshi and I didn't do this to get any of these positive labels, let's say. We are passionate about the law. <laughs> um, we didn't do it for any money or prestige. But naturally, with being a lawyer comes some prestige and privilege. Um, double-edged sword of being relied on (laughs) so it's great to be relied on because people trust what you're saying is at least truthful if not you've put some thought into it you're credible to some degree you hope probably some lawyers that are not credible (laughs) I can name some but generally (laughs) generally um, you have some sort of pull um, which is nice because you don't have to fight so hard to be heard at times um and so yeah like that's nice but then like i said it's a double-edged sword you have the other side of you know you don't want to always be relied on sometimes you just want to say something like i think an interesting perspective is like when you go from being a lawyer and sorry if you want to get called to the bench and become a judge um of course to be a judge you would have had to be a lawyer (laughs) for at least 10 years in bc but I think it's interesting because your role completely changes and you become so neutral that you can't really publicly give an opinion about anything because you're supposed to just be this neutral person. And so I've always wanted to be a judge. I still do. I, I think I'll apply relatively like soon. I mean, after my 10 year, I'm not going to wait till I'm like 40 year call or anything. 
because um, that's what I've always seen myself. But the one thing for me that is going to be interesting is I'm so opinionated, right? Like for people that already follow me, I'm so opinionated. I'm literally going to have to go off the grid. And the only person that will hear it is, God willing, have a husband and some kids with it or some shit. I'm like, fuck, you're so fucking annoying, mom. Like, go God, talk to somebody else about it. God willing. God willing. Like, uh, this fucking rate in my life. But generally, um, I think that's that's really interesting because all those judges were once lawyers that had, ver- they do still have very strong opinions, but um, they're not vocal about them, right? Anyway, so I think that that's um, so that's the, positive. So po- the positives are that um, the power. That does not sound very positive. No, but it, the power that comes from speaking your mind as a lawyer, like you're given the benefit of the doubt. You have clout. People listen yeah, to you. They definitely often, have clout. Um, respect you but the other side of the coin is that a huge section of the population thinks we're the devil incarnate yeah and that we're (laughs) evil and calculating and manipulative and they 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 always throw that at me every time I'm having some sort of discussion or argument sorry I know what words mean (laughs) no joking like it is it is I guess nice um with the benefit comes this disadvantage that often your reputation precedes you and with that is good and bad and Mm -hmm. so i feel like whenever i'm having a discussion with someone um that's a non-law person again discussion i label it a discussion (laughs) and they immediately it's not though because we we always this is a thing we sorry to interrupt you but (laughs) you can't help it this is why it's going to be so Do hard it. to be a judge. But um, justice, I should say. I don't want to be a judge. I don't want to be in provincial court. There's a difference, guys. Judge is in the provincial court. Justice is in the Supreme Court. Different types of hearings and matters are heard in different courts. We can talk about that a different day. Just say. But that's why I say I want to be justice. Anywho. Um, oh, gosh. <laughs> So a common pattern will be that Reminder interrupts me and then doesn't know what she was about to say. Oh, no. The worst kind of interruption. No, I remember is that we um, we look at, especially as litigators, actually solicitors too. Anyways, as lawyers, we look at words. So that's why it becomes an argument because what we say is so important. The words we choose and how we're trying to get our point across <clears throat> they hold value to us, right? Like we don't, or we'll correct ourselves, let's say if it's the wrong word. But like, you know, it's not, it's not just like a conversation a lot of the time. You're like, wait, what are you exactly, or for me, what are you saying and what does that mean? And like, what is the interpretation behind that word and what sort of connotation could it have? Like, you know, sometimes when I'm really into something or I really care, not like I don't care about it, many people but like if I'm really invested in the person I'm having a conversation with or they're one of the people that I let's say not rely on but like are my close crew like I want to know exactly why you're saying something um, and so I think that that's why maybe people think it's argumentative because you're trying to like really narrow in on the point first of, of their um, point yeah I just I feel like my idea of what a discussion is yeah. is vastly different sometimes from non-law people in the sense that I I feel like I come off as argumentative because I'm pushing back or I'm questioning or I'm asking 
and it's like all of a sudden that is an argument now. How dare you have an opinion as a woman? <laughs> well, these are with women and men, no, to be fair. I'm joking. The, all these conversations. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like I, I feel like I have a high tolerance for what is considered a friendly discussion mm-hmm. versus other people. Now, I don't see that as a bad thing necessarily. No, I actually, I don't either. I feel like it's good for for me to be able to listen to you, digest, come back with a logical, reasonable uh, reply, and I feel like that progresses the conversation in like a positive way. Yeah. But not many people see it that way. They see it as you being robotic, as you being calculating, watching every single word they say and coming back with like some sort of rebuttal that's meant to demean them you're not triggered as fast <laughs> perhaps i mean that's one way of, that's for menders opinion <laughs> yeah clearly maybe you no, are maybe you are clearly no qualms about um having people be upset that maybe she's being argumentative Remender has no qualms about that do oh. i have qualms no not really um, but at the same time, I am becoming more aware yeah. that because of this label um, of being a lawyer, you have to be careful about how you talk mm-hmm. to people at, at all times because they will start to resent you. Oh, for sure. Like family members, friends, like stop questioning every single thing every single time. But like why? Stop it. That's what we're paid to do. That's what we're paid to do, but in our personal lives, they're like you become your. Is there a switch? Normal. Is there a switch if you're so passionate about your job? If it's inherently who you are, is there a way to turn that off? Well, that is a way to turn that for, for me. There's a way to turn that off when I don't give a sh- like I don't care about the opinion of the person I'm speaking to. I don't see that way of thinking as <laughs> part of didn't my get job. Enough sleep. It's not part of my job. That's actually something that is a skill that's <laughs> built up through law school in my first couple of years of practice. I guess that's what I should mean. It's just, job. yeah, it's just, necess- it's just like, like for me, it's just a natural function. Like right. it's, I don't think twice about, like I don't, like common sense is not so common. Like you like to, like for us, what's common sense is not common sense for people that aren't in our profession or similar professions or, or whatever um, along those lines. And that could go for any sort of field, right? Um, in terms of the vocabulary that we understand or use or anyway uh. yeah but i do i will like clap back a bit of a bit and say that i understand where these people are coming from there's oh, non-law sure. people in my mm-hmm. life that are saying stop sounding so like robotic and can you just talk to me like your normal self and of course our normal selves quote unquote has changed because of law yes. school but at the same time part of the effectiveness of communication is getting through to the other side. Yeah. So it's actually it's in my best interest to make sure that what I'm doing or how I'm talking is reaching the other mm-hmm. side in a way that makes sense to them, that they they respect and respond to. Yeah. So like I do think it's a constant balancing for me. It's not one sided. I can't I can't just be like, hey, I'm a lawyer. This is how I talk. Deal with it. <laughs> That's not effective. No, 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 it's not. And it's it's not. And I, I guess, yeah, no, I I get that. It's just, I agree. Because in, like, the spiritual, on the spiritual side, the empath side or the work I do on my blog that's not law-related, um, a lot of that is being, um, 
relatable to the mass audience as a collective, right? Like no one, when it comes to a lot of stuff I post, I try to break it down into plain English as much as possible without using jargon that like the average, not average in a negative way, but <laughs> the majority of people aren't lawyers out there that are reading it. Um, and so I try to break that all down as much as possible. It's like, oh, how, in what terms will they understand exactly what it is, right? Like if they're gonna read the case, they'd be like, no idea what like contra preferentum is or like some random shit. And so, um, and I only know that through, you know, doing insurance litigation. And so. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about uh, what an empath means and like your journey a little bit just so they get to know <clears throat> that side of you? Yeah. Me? It'll be beneficial for those that don't already follow me. So empath is a word that I use to describe me being a psychic. Um, it's more, <clears throat> it more comes down to um, the intuitive knowing of things, the intuitive, um, I don't want to say attachment, but feeling other people's emotions, um, being able to relate to them on that sort of level of sensing what their, let's say, if you want to say problems are, what their own personal concerns are, um, whether that's me doing like a tarot reading or me naturally having a conversation. And so my conversation is usually tailored to the person's energy that I'm feeling, um, which is draining because like they're, I'm attached to like their soul. And so I, like I don't like to have really long conversations with a lot of people. Um, I'm very intentional about who I talk to for long periods of time. I'm honored. <clears throat> oh, <laughs> thanks. And this because you understand me on a professional level and a personal level, so you can get that. Um, but yeah, like the, the psychic stuff, it, now that I look back, it started a really long time ago. I've always been intuitive. I've always like kind of predicted that things were going to happen. I didn't know why and like the things that had like caused arguments in the past, right? Because um, I would just be like, I know, I know, I know, right? And like, like what the fuck do you mean you know? And people would still say that to me. I just don't really say it. I just, I'll, I just watch things pad out now and I don't associate with the negativity, right? Um, or any negativity. I try not to, but yeah, so it's like the awakening started a really long time ago, didn't realize, but then I became conscious of it at like the end of 2018, um, really, really, really aware of exactly what it was in like late summer, fall of 2019. And so that was like when I started what my spiritual healer would say, opening up my gifts, which I was like, what do you mean I have gifts? And so that's when like the reading started and like it was just an a process and it made sense to a lot of people that are close to me because they're like oh yeah like we could see that because the conversations I was having were generally always intuitive or like on the level of giving advice right um, which is good or bad I mean it sucks it does honestly suck at times because I don't have that outlet in my life <laughs> and so I, I generally have to go to my spiritual healer to have those combos because um, anyways people aren't really intuitive unless it's somebody the couple friends in my life that are um, then we'll have those types of combos but anyway it's like it's helped me a lot it helps in the legal profession to be able to relate to your clients um, to know the impact that stuff has on them doesn't mean it's not annoying because some of these people are just so anxious and then it takes over your day because you know I know why they're anxious and what they think and like what they think the outcome could be and so I always try to have that combo of like preemptively knowing 
what they're going to freak out about and being like, these are not rational fears <laughs> in a nicer way. So you're, in your situation, you're actually the opposite of a robotic, calculating, manipulative, <laughs> manipulative uh, lawyer. I try you feel not to be. sometimes stronger than the rest of us. Yeah. Unless, like, opposing counsel pisses me off. Of course. Then I'll do something because I know that they have the tools to know better. Like, that one, like you saw that email that time. He still hasn't replied to me because I told him off, but it's okay. That was my goal. <laughs> well, that, I guess, could lead us into the, <clears throat> the second question I have for you, um, something you've been very vocal about, which is the standard that's put on lawyers mm -hmm. as advocates yeah. to stand up for, in your case, uh, human rights issues mm -hmm. and things that are important to progressing um, humans as, as a whole and humanity. And you, if, I, if I'm correct in saying this, feel like lawyers um, have a duty to perhaps stand up, say something um, in support of justice more mm -hmm. than perhaps the rest of the population. Mm -hmm. And that leads us, I guess, to the work you've been doing with the farmers' protests that are happening in India. What's that? <laughs> no idea what that is. No idea what the, the farmers' protest is. If you, if you all don't know, Mender has been advocating uh, about the farmers' protest for the last couple months, mm -hmm. longer now. Fuck, man, that's crazy. And um, Almost two months. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I guess yeah. in November. Yeah, end of November. -ish. Yeah, and she's also been calling out lawyers for their silence. Mm -hmm. But perhaps before we get into that, uh, we can just give our, <clears throat> our listeners a very quick overview of the farmers' protest. Yeah, and we won't we go go into detail because there's a lot to cover, and this is not the episode yeah. to do it. You can visit my Instagram if you want to know more. Um, or online. Yeah, so essentially what's happening is that there's these three farm bills that have been passed in India. They were passed without consultation to farmers. They adversely affect farmers uh, and disproportionately affect uh, Punjab and Haryana mm -hmm. farmers. And the what's at stake here is their livelihood. Yeah. It's either they're going to have to take on more debt or they will resort to suicide, which we've seen, mm -hmm. unfortunately, so many farmers had to do in order to escape the debt that's over their heads. Yeah. But these farm bills are favoring corporate interests over small-scale farmers, and they also don't ensure the MSP, which is the minimum support price, um, kind of like a minimum wage. They yeah. don't ensure that that is intact and in place. So there's no there's no minimum wage for a lack of a better word for these farmers going forward. Mm -hmm. That's kind of my very um, quick summary of the issues. Yeah, and then on top of what Harshi said about the farmers weren't consulted, the opposition parties were not consulted either. Um, these were passed during COVID, so we already know all the changes that were happening. They were really passed behind closed doors. There's also an issue with the dispute resolution process. Um, and so you can't go through the judiciary or the regular court process to um, complain, let's say, or say that your rights were not upheld. You have to go through the government, which we will see would likely be, or hopefully not see, but 
can assume would be the same government that's currently in power, which is a majority um, nationalistic Hindutva <laughs> supremacy government. Um, so how is that fair? And so it's been, it's a lot. And, you know, on the way to their protest, they walked, let's say a lot of these farmers walked, you know, they're on their tractors or cars or whatever, um, you know, up to, let's say, like if you're from BC, the distance of from here to Prince George, um, a lot of them walked that distance. On the way there, many of these protesters generally were met with um, tear gas, violence, ditches being, I don't know, like they're dug like out dug out to prevent them from going, um, you know, to, to Delhi, which is where they're at now on several borders. And so it's an issue. It hasn't been covered in the media. It's been something I'm very passionate about. I've had many um, heated rants about it, even in the, in the profession. Um, as well as not and it makes me uncomfortable to have to do those but I think it's important and my point to the profession was and I'm not going to say where I said it but it was like you don't know about this most likely or the depths of it and that's a problem how do you not know about the biggest peaceful protest in human history that that's an issue and I'm pissed off about it is like basically what I said I was like, sorry, my rant's over. But then I got like a lot of messages, like a lot, but like from, you know, half the people, because um, it wasn't a very big crew saying like, I had no idea that this is exactly what was going on, or this I'm so sorry. This is a legal professional meeting. Yes. Right. <clears throat> and saying we didn't know that these are the depths of what's going on, we really feel for you, and like, I can understand, you know, because some of these people are, are in other minority groups, um, not just visible minority, but other minority groups, and so, I was like, yeah, I'll send my video, like my Indian farmer law video for dummies. Um, if you guys want to see this on my, if you scroll down on my Instagram, Remy Hay underscore. But I was like, oh, I'll send that to them so they can actually see, right, the overlap of all these issues and, you know, the potential of, of a genocide due to history, um, patterns of having supremacy government ruling. You know, we've already seen sick, the sick genocide in 1984, um, a natural fear that comes up given that, I mean, it's not, you don't have to be Punjabi or a Sikh to be a farmer. A lot of them just not, they are. Um, we already know the Indian government is not a fan of Punjabis or Sikhs. If you don't know, Punjabis and Sikhs are the BIPOC of India. Just because everybody there is brown, it doesn't mean that they're all treated equal. There are a lot of different class, castes, race, religions, a lot of politics, a lot of this greed and corruption in the Indian government and so it's important to educate yourself on that and the way I've said that is like look at Europe like Europe's a country I mean small in size but our um, continent small in size but a lot of different countries with different races and religions and treatment like an Italian is not going to be treated the same as a German right um, and so just looking at that and understanding that that's a similar kind of um, thing going on in India in terms of separation and the differences um, and then seeing how these laws disproportionately affect that specific class like you were saying um, and what the outcome could be as a lot of these farmers that are committing suicide and dying are of that um, ethnicity or you know race and or religion and so as lawyers coming back to that whole standard or you know if we want to say duty i mean we take an oath to uphold the law to uphold um democratic rights you know india is a democracy under their constitution um and so it's like why the fuck does everybody give a shit about what's happening in the states all the time like they don't need our attention 
they don't need as much attention as they're getting. They're going to get it from celebrities who have been almost completely fucking silent when it comes to us, have ignored the movement, including brown celebrities. So fuck the white ones, no offense. Like even brown celebrities are silent. Um, and as lawyers, if you know everybody's going to make a comment about BLM, which they should have, which they should continue to do, which they should continue to do for any BIPOC individual or, or rights or indigenous rights, any rights. It's like, where, why is this different? Like, you know what I mean? I, I get that we have a closer relationship with the states. We can see it more. But we also have one of the biggest minority populations of South Asians in Canada, right? Like NBC and Ontario specifically. Um, and many of us are protesting and many of us have been silenced, censored, shadowed. Like I don't hashtag anymore. I don't really tag anymore. Cause it doesn't really make a difference. Like the only way I've been really getting that reach is by people sharing and tagging me because when I started using, I was using hashtags at the beginning. So it was like a lot was coming through and people were seeing. And then eventually like whatever this propaganda media, which is a whole other issue that, you know, that causes a shadow banning and they've been putting like porn under certain hashtags and things like that in order to get the post censored or taken off even at times. Um, it's essentially you know, like for, for to make it more understandable, it's like if you look up a hashtag, for example, you'll see one of um, the the sick gurus mm -hmm. uh, depicted in pornography. So yeah, like we're under the toilet. If you're a Christian mm -hmm. or if you're if you're practicing Islam, s seeing one of your revered um, public f or figures, prophets sorry, or something, is yeah. like seeing them in that situation is like very hurtful. Yeah, and and I feel like that's something that's been happening a lot, and that's being kept up compared to p pictures of peaceful protesters. Right? Like they're taking those pictures off of protesters because they're saying fuck Facebook for censoring us, right? Because Facebook owns WhatsApp, Instagram, and obviously Facebook. And um, so they'll, those they'll are being kept up. take off uh, protest pictures that are um, saying things um, that are not so, like, I guess positive <laughs> about Facebook, WhatsApp. It wasn't even Instagram. actually fuck Facebook. It was like I regret buying this T-shirt with the Facebook logo on it. Right. Like, so if it if it has that kind of really messaging, your dicks, that's why you're mad, Mark Zuckerberg. If Sorry, it has that kind of like, messaging, seriously. they'll take that off. But when you actually uh, report something that has like vile pornography, they won't take that. Pause. Sorry, that was really inappropriate joke. But yeah, no, it, yeah, I don't know if you heard me. I didn't. I'm not going to repeat it. <laughs> I'm sure I'll hear it back soon <laughs> enough. Um, but so yeah, no, what exactly. is the standard that you want to hold lawyers to, like who are listening, I guess? Like we can't have an impossible standard. Mm -hmm. We can't say that every single um, movement that's going on in the world, we expect you Canadian lawyers to speak up and like say something about it. That's an impossible thing, right? But what's we don't even different? do that. It's but like what is different about this protest in your eyes? The size of it, a, and it doesn't mean like, oh, because it's so big, it's more important. I mean, it's very important. We're in like a revolution overall this last year, including BLM, including what's happening with, you know, more indigenous rights and stuff, in the legal profession or not. But the gravity of, like, it's like what the outcome could be. If there is, let's say, a genocide or um, the thing is, is like every history book, as it should, like speaks about the Holocaust. How many history books? I didn't ever hear about the Sikh genocide in any history book I read in high school. 
I never heard about it. Everybody knows what the Holocaust is, right? And so numbers are obviously different in terms of the amount of people, but it's like, you know, it's not publicized, or it was not, it has not been, and so it's not common sense knowledge to the public to be like, oh, this already happened to these individuals before um, in their own temple, <laughs> right? And so... Um, that's why, so I guess that's why also so many of us are speaking out is because we're legitimately afraid that something like the genocide mm-hmm. that happened in 194 will happen again, will repeat itself. Mm-hmm. So everyone is quite worried and that's part of the reason why yeah. um, everyone is trying to be so vocal this time around. Yeah, I guess, yeah, for me, so it's like that could be the potential outcome, which is why it's important to speak about it. Like this isn't like people aren't already committing suicide or dying on the streets there because of the cold or because they're elderly. Like this actually is affecting people's livelihoods and in turn eventually will affect the world when it comes to corporate takeover. Right? I feel like there's going to be a lot of lawyers that don't agree with you um, because naturally one you're, you're calling for, you're calling for lawyers to be advocates and to not be passive and naturally there's going to be people that oppose that and think that's unfair and a lot of these lawyers talked about blm what was the difference why were you advocating before you should advocate but why it's because it was everywhere it's because your celebrities the celebrities you follow were talking about it it's because everybody on linkedin was posting about it that gives people relevance and that's what pisses me off well, it's safe, safer to talk about, sexier to talk about. Yeah. So, right. which is another problem when it comes to the censorship. It's like no one's talking about it, but which goes back to the conversation I had when I said in the legal community uh, meeting was like, and positive things are about to come out of that discussion as of next week. And so I'll be very excited. Uh, I can tell you about it off, off camera. Um, but it's like, they had no idea, <laughs> right? Like, what the, f- like, people were just like, like, um, people that are on video can see my face, but like, they were just nodding and shaking their head. Like, they couldn't believe this. It was completely foreign because wherever they would go to receive this sort of news or knowledge, they've completely shut it out, knowing. It's not like the news doesn't know what's going on. They're very much aware. I've written to like what two or three news channels myself been interviewed by one been interviewed on the radio they know what is going on they picked it up they picked it up right away when that rally was canceled I don't want to talk about that but like you know they picked it up right away then then they had something to say so they're very much aware of the caliber of um, of the protest as well as how it's affecting us and they've chosen actively chosen to not talk about it Right, so in the sense that the scale of the protest, you know, there's over 12 million people. That's the number that we know right now. And I saw more. yesterday that, yeah, more people have set up tents, and so the number has, in, in advance of this rally it's that's the happening. the scale of the protest. Mm-hmm. It's also what could happen um, if this protest fails, yeah. which is certain death for a lot of people, um, either through debt or otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so it's those two things combined, plus the idea of, um, using violence, state-sponsored violence against people that are peacefully protesting in a democracy is abhorrent yep. to me personally. 
And so I feel like those things are all things that everyone can relate to, whether you know the specifics mm -hmm. of the farm bills or not. Yeah. Those are things yeah, that are important. Leave the laws aside, right? Like just look at the half of the picture when it comes to peaceful protests and your rights in a democracy, which India has with rights under the Constitution, as I already said. So leave the laws aside and not knowing about those laws, which is the excuse that many people have made. You don't need to know shit about the law then. But you do, you can see a video of somebody getting hit with a baton or with tear gas and a water cannon in a democracy. That alone, I think, should be enough to say something. And why I say that there's some sort of duty or whatever um, compared to other professions, it's like we take an oath to uphold the law in our country. We take an oath to and whether or not people actually do it, you know, to stand up for minorities, those that are discriminated against, it's like what we sign on to do. Well, the reason why <laughs> we know people are going to be against you is the whole controversy of the Statement of Principles in Ontario. Yeah. And I won't get into this in detail because that could take a whole episode. For sure. And it's obviously been contentious. Yeah. But for those that don't know, uh, there was a movement to have the lawyers in Ontario sign a statement of principles saying that they will promote equality, diversity, and inclusion. Um, that's me paraphrasing. And there was so much backlash. And from my last understanding, it didn't pass because people, for a number of reasons, but one of them was that they thought that was for speech, you are forcing people to do something by saying, just, I will promote diversity and inclusion and equality as a lawyer. It's just a contradiction. So like, I know people <laughs> will not agree with you because they're going to say... Well, they're, yeah, it's a white male dominated profession. They'll say, it's not my duty as a no lawyer offense. to speak out for injustice. That's it's not, not my duty as a lawyer only when I'm paid for it under the billable hour. Why the fuck do you choose this profession, this job? Well... Well, we know. Sorry, that's a bit more. We, I know. We, we know there's lots of reasons why people... We, we, see, we see a lot of it on the inside, right? Like, we see both sides of it. Um, I say a lot when I do talks or whatever on systemic racism or bias or whatever it is, um, that this is an issue, I think, that will be largely resolved when this older generation of lawyers retire. Like, we are seeing a lot more progression even in the last couple of years. Like, I remember when I did my first mental health panel at UBC, I was so nervous. It was April of 2019. I was so nervous. And at that point, I was at, you know, like, Harper Gray, and they promote everything that you do. And so I was like, oh, no, like, I don't know if I want to say I'm doing this panel. Because mental health in the legal profession was, like, Ooh, taboo and like I've always been really vocal about it but then I saw even by the end of the year how much it progressed there's now the mental health task force you know Brooke Greenberg I know Brooke you know that's ahead of that but generally like those movements have started whether where they're gonna go we don't know but it's like I it's not that I've only seen that um, the shutdown let's say or the the hand to your face by white lawyers it has also come from visible minority lawyers um but due to their due to their oppression in 
conversations I've had before, I kind of like sense like, oh, they they had to make certain decisions in the way they practice and the way they behave in order to fit in in the profession, um, which is a larger issue. But I think that as we have these new lawyers, more progressive, more conscious lawyers coming in, um, it'll be easier for us to have these conversations because you can't you can't keep knocking on like the door of these lawyers that are just so ingrained in their value right like it even comes down to gender pronouns we were talking about this um yesterday uh, um, in a meeting i was in and like the you know like how people even though now this is like a court mandated thing and, and i believe it should be and it's something that i could go on and on about but they're like, oh, people weren't introducing their pronouns. So if you don't know in provincial court and the Supreme Court um, in BC now, you have to introduce yourself with your pronouns as well as anybody that's appearing with you um, in order to be inclusive, which comes with its own things, right? And, and, but yeah, and so, you know, something like, even like that is like, oh, what do you mean, like pronoun, right? Right? And like, it's like, why not? Um, and so I, that's something that we understand. We understand why it's important. But someone that's been practicing for 45 years, it's completely, like, foreign. Yeah, and we don't want to deal with absolutes here, like, in, mm-hmm. in, in the podcast. We, I've, you know, I've met people that are of an older generation that always... That's true, yeah. Always, no, yeah. like, surprise me, Yeah. right? Of course. But there is obviously an overwhelming number of people yeah. um, that that are against change in the legal profession. Yep. And point the, the example, I guess, of that is in Ontario recently when when people tried to just have a simple statement of promoting diversity and inclusion, that was that was a, a big, big deal. It mm-hmm. was a very big deal. And it divided um, the law study of Ontario, the licensees. So yep. We're almost running out of time here, but um, I think what, what I feel like I've concluded from this is that I don't actually know what standard I'm going to hold lawyers to yet. I haven't decided in my mind what yeah. standard I'm holding them to. I, I Obviously not going to be an impossible standard. Of it's course. not going to be you must speak out on every single injustice in of the course. world. Uh, we, we don't are, know of every injustice in the world. Exactly, but we, <laughs> we feel like we're going to start that process of trying to figure out the standard perhaps here on this podcast. Yeah. Perhaps with all of you, when you give your opinions on what we had to say today um, of like, what should we be holding the legal profession? What standards should we hold them to? Is it fair? Um, and hopefully we get some feedback on that. Mm-hmm. And I understand I was talking in a generalization, like you said, there are older lawyers that I know that are very progressive. Um, it's just unfortunate that a majority of the people that, I have seen or heard backlash from are from that older generation and it's not just white lawyers like I said it's also those that are BIPOC um, and do that's due to various factors that are you know being addressed and looked at by my committee and otherwise um, at this point but I've just seen more of a change um, as new lawyer younger lawyers are coming in and so it's been positive so I want to say that I'm not trying to put everybody in categories um, 
I tend to talk that way and I don't actually mean that. And that's something I should probably work on. <laughs> well, we're going to work on it here. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think we want to actually open up this dialogue and we want people to give us their opinion. And part of that process is we're putting ourselves out there. Mm-hmm. We're actually putting ourselves out there and saying some things and seeing how everyone feels. And maybe together we can come up with something that's reasonable. Like Caitlin? <laughs> oh, well, I was going to say we'll probably end this episode. Um, <laughs> Well, but it was pretty serious. We got pretty serious this episode. It won't always be. Mm-hmm. For example, <laughs> it won't you, can always t- be. you can tune in probably, you know, in a couple weeks and see my rant about Mindy Kaling. And yeah. The show <laughs> that has ever been on Netflix ever. Um, so stay tuned for that. So it won't be always as serious, but I do think that this sets the stage yeah. for what's going on right now. This also shows them what our regular conversations tend to sound like. This is a very regular conversation, I feel, for Harshi and I. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes yeah. it's rants about random yeah. things that don't matter. You're going to get it all. Um, thank you for tuning in. Yeah, thank you so much for listening to our first podcast. And if you look at the link in our Instagram bio, you can uh, send us an email if you have a question or a comment or a concern, something you want us to talk about. There's also a SurveyMonkey link there where you can um, put an anonymous question in if you're uncomfortable um, saying something for various reasons we know exist. And so you have a couple of options there. You can also DM us. Um, this will be on Spotify and SoundCloud for now, hopefully Apple soon. And, and on Instagram. thank you for tuning in. We're Legally Brown. Legally Brown. <laughs> Bye, guys. <laughs>